one of the things that is very hard to talk about, some things that are hard to put in words is the fears that we have. Like when somebody wants to start AA and they're worried and they're fearful about leaving behind their comfort zone, which is, you know, their, their booze, that fear can be so, I mean, it took me 10 years because I wasn't ready to face that fear. 10 years, <laughs> you know, it would be so nice if you could reach someone by saying, just jump in and see what happens. Don't think so much. <laughs> it's your fear crippling you. I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collective voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Sam, it's a new month. It's a new year. And the new grapevines are here. Woohoo! Yeah! This month is all about the many ways AA members have found to connect to a power that works for them. That's always a hot topic because it's so different for everyone. I know when I came in, I was repelled by the whole subject of God. It helped me to hear everyone's personal perspective, which is what happens in the magazine this month. Yeah, well, you know, Don, when I came in, I the word God, I bristled at it. Mm. And you were the one who had that special effect on me when you were telling your story. I don't know, maybe two or three months into my sobriety, I heard wow. you tell. And you spoke about how you reacted to the word God and then eventually found that it, it didn't matter, that you could use the word because you knew what it meant to you. Yes. And I was able to embrace that and roll that into my own recovery and get past my problem with the word God. So thank you for that. That's the way I let go of my preconceived ideas of what a higher power is by hearing everyone's experience doing the same thing. Yeah. Well, Don, this month, there's a story about a newcomer who always wanted to feel safe and believe in something. In another story, a nun with 10 years of religious training recalls her struggle with the concept of a higher power in, but I already have a God. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> one member talks about searching and searching for a spiritual connection and found it one day while listening to music. Music can certainly send chills down my spine. As long as it's not Christmas music. <laughs> <laughs> it's the new year. We're not doing that right now. The story, Close Call at the Wedding, mirrors a similar experience in my life, except for me, it was a funeral. In this case, it's a wedding. Someone newly sober goes to a wedding reception and gets squirrely with all the drinking going on. He asks a higher power he barely believes in for help. The next person he meets just happens to also be newly sober in AA, and they help each other get through the event. Man, I love things it's like that. Good. It's so cool. It's a miracle! <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it works. Sam, it's the first week in January. Are you into New Year's resolutions? I absolutely resolve never to make another resolution in my life, Don. <laughs> <laughs> 
no, right, I, no. New Year's resolutions are not a thing for me. I mean, I, I might as well make a Monday resolution. It's got the same amount of power. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know a lot of people do and like them, but for me, I make a resolution every day by doing the steps. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I'm resolving to stay sober today. And I, it used to be it had this big power of these ideals and these goals. And now I'm trying to live one day at a time. That is and, exactly where I was going. And I want to be open and available to whatever my higher power puts in front of me. So it's yeah. almost like the resolution is trying to control the future or something. Agreed. I mean, it's, it's kind of like that idea. Some of us newcomers, when we came in, would would be like, I'm never going to drink again. And we learned that, no, I'm not going to drink today. That's the same kind of thing with the resolution. The resolution is not that I'm going to go to the gym every day or every three times a week or I'm going to diet or whatever. It's like I'm going to do whatever today. Yeah, my, I resolve to live well today. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And if I make a mistake, I'll correct it. <laughs> There's that tenth step. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Folks, we'd love to hear your ideas on what you do with the resolutions. Where do they contact us? They contact us at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. All kinds of ways on there. Yeah, call. That's the best. Call or record a voice recording and email it to us. We want your voices on the podcast. Who's our guest today? Don, today's guest is the author of This Beautiful Truth. We welcome Reem from Cleveland, Missouri. Her story is on page 27 of the January 2023 issue. She is a Muslim and says before she came in, she believed AA to be some kind of a Christian cult. Hmm, me too. Yeah, me too, too. Yeah, me too, too, too. <laughs> but first, the news. Did you ever serve in the military sober? Were you ever stationed overseas or on a ship while trying to stay sober? What were AA meetings like in the military? What were some of the challenges? Did you find AA while in service? Tell us about being in AA while serving your country. This is for the August 2023 issue of The Grapevine, and it will be focusing on AA in the military. Stories are due February 15th, 2023, and you can share yours by going to aagrapevine.org slash share. Be a part of the Grapevine Audio Project. AA Grapevine is collecting up to seven-minute-long stories from the fellowship in the form of audio recordings. Share as you would in a meeting or pick a topic of your own choosing, from making amends to working a particular step or maybe making resolutions or not making <laughs> resolutions. If your audio story is accepted by the AA Grapevine editorial staff, Grapevine will publish it as a YouTube playlist or on another media platform. Grapevine does not collect recordings from speakers at AA meetings. Get more information on all these news items and more at aagrapevine.org. And now a word from our sponsors. We don't have sponsors? What are you thinking? Oh yeah, we don't do the commercial sponsor thing. Since the grapevine is self-supporting, we don't sell ad space in our magazine, on our website, or in our podcast. Grapevine doesn't even accept donations from AA members. If you want to support Grapevine and this podcast, visit aagrapevine.org. 
org slash store. So my name is Reem and I am an alcoholic and my home group is South Leeward Group in um, Kansas. My sobriety date is May 25th, 2019. When I started AA, I decided I wasn't ready to share it with my kids. And my kids had known before that I like to drink and suddenly I stopped drinking. So I started January 1st, right after New Year's. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't tell my boys. My boys are now 27 and 28. But at that time, they were you know, three years earlier. So I just told them, well, I'm going to do something different this year. And I'm going to go no booze 19. So I didn't want to let them know that I'm an alcoholic and I'm trying out different ways to get sober. And one of them is AA. But I just said, I'm going to do no booze 19. And that was good with them. At the end of the 2019, when 2020 started, the boys were like, are you going to do no booze 2020? And I'm like, yeah, I think so. But by then, you know. <laughs> COVID had happened and they moved into the house. And so I had to tell them where I'm going, even though there was lockdown, I was still going out every day. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you got sober in face-to-face -face meetings. I got sober in face-to-face -face meetings. I started, actually, we weren't living in the U.S. We were living in Europe. So I started there knowing that we're going to move in a couple of months. So I didn't really have a sponsor and I didn't really understand what I was doing. I just knew they were helping me. I thought they were helping me control my drinking. <laughs> But actually, I was, you know, I didn't really understand what AA was. So my first meeting was in Europe and I walked in and I told them, look, I don't think I'm an alcoholic, but I'm just here so you can teach me how to control my drinking and be better at it. Ah, what was their reaction? They all laughed. They all <laughs> laughed and they all said, it doesn't work like that. I also walked up to one of them and said, are you in charge? Are you the manager here? Can you, can you tell me how, what I'm supposed to do and what I'm supposed to read so I can control my drinking? And he just said, just keep coming back. Come tomorrow, come day after. <laughs> so you had no idea really what AA was about. How did you hear about AA? I, my doctor in Switzerland, this, that's where we were living. She's the one who knew that I was drinking too much. Uh, she said, we'll do this three-pronged attack. We'll get you to a social worker, to a psychologist, and me. So the three of us will help you through it. A few months later, she would had me coming in every month to check my blood. And she said, it seems like you're still drinking. I don't see any, any improvement. And I was like, I am. So she said, well, I think you need to go to AA. And my reaction was, I don't think so. I think it's a Christian cult. And she said, oh. no, it's not a Christian cult. You need to, <laughs> you need to go to AA. But I, I resisted and resisted until... You know, no other way was working. I'm kind of cerebral. And so I just thought I could think my way and get smart about it and read scientific studies and books and figure it out that way. But there's zero chances of me not taking the next drink, you know. Well, this is exactly my story as well. I struggled to control my drinking and finally I gave up. I, now, I knew that AA meant no more drinking. And so I was... I was not prepared for the way they told me how to quit drinking was to just quit drinking one day at a time, yeah. which seemed like a little silly. Of course, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about not drinking forever. No, no, no. Just one day at a time. So that seemed like a silly <laughs> game to me. However, I found it worked. It was useful. 
the one day at a time thing seemed to me like what a great way to help someone out who's thinking long term. Because for me, it was either I control it or I'm doing, I have to stop completely. And the thought of stopping completely was just so, such a horrifying thought. You know, it's like, I don't want to stop completely, but I had no idea what taking that first drink meant to someone like me. Like that first drink, as soon as I took it, I wasn't myself anymore. I couldn't make any decisions, any thoughtful decisions. My obsession was to keep taking another drink, another, another drink until I would sort of pass out, you know. But uh, so when somebody told me just you cannot take that first drink, that's all we're asking for 24 hours. Don't take that first drink. I was like, OK, I can try that. But it was it's a different it's like a mind twist. You know, it's a totally yes. trying to change what your brain is trying to tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's a mind trick. It's a, it really is. And it really does work. So yeah. what was going on? Did you quit drinking because people told you you needed to or was it inside you knew you had a problem? Yeah, inside of me, I knew for sure I had a problem. I denied that for about 10 years. And the way, we, you know, it's so crazy the way our minds work is I would tell myself that every in 12-hour increments. <laughs> so I would tell myself they were never going to do this again. This is never going to happen again. You're much stronger and you're much smarter than this. And then, you know, as soon as I felt better the next morning, which was around 12 o'clock in the afternoon, I would take that first drink again. After like a few years of doing that every single day, it started happening a lot earlier. 12 o'clock became too late. I had to take the drink at 11. And then I had to take a first shot at 9 o'clock in the morning until it became where I had to take it at 7 o'clock in the morning. So by like the last year, I knew I had a serious problem. And I started trying to quit on my own. So I'd make these promises to my husband. And I would say, I'll only drink on weekends. And he's like, okay, well, let's try that. Weekends for me would be like, Friday morning. <laughs> so it would be Friday, mm. Saturday, Sunday. Yes. Yeah. And then he's like, that's not a weekend. Either weekend should start on Saturday night. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> that's <too> misery. <laughs> and then it started Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday is still a weekend. And pretty soon it was every day was a weekend. So that didn't work. Then I tried, okay, I'll only drink wine and I'll only take that three days a week. So I need some wine on Monday and some on Wednesday and some on Saturday. And he's like, okay, let's try that because he was so happy I'm not drinking vodka anymore. So I tried that for a couple of months and, you know, that didn't work. But, uh, and my husband traveled a lot. So when he wasn't around, who's there to tell me, don't take this vodka in the middle of the three days of wine. So all these mind games, you know, so I did that for a long time. And then at the end of it, I realized my husband could barely look at me and he'd come back from his trips. There was no eye contact. He would travel for business, come back home, and he wouldn't talk to me or look at me, literally not look at me for three days that he was home and then travel again and come back. And that kept going. And I was like, he's leaving me. I'm pretty sure he's making plans to leave me. And sure enough, one day when he was traveling, I was looking something up on Google. And as soon as I wrote in the best, what popped up on our search engine was uh, best divorce lawyers in Missouri. <laughs> and so that did it. He's serious. He's not playing around anymore. We had the New Year's outing the last day of 2019. And we went out to this restaurant, dinner, dance place. And he actually got up and left in the middle of it. I stayed back and looked at the fireworks and then got on a train. This is in Switzerland. Got on a train and went home. And the next morning, it was a very serious talk. And I said, I think I'll try AA. And he said, do whatever you want. You know, but for me, he, he was, he'd resigned. He's like, I can't do this anymore. Mm. But the minute I went into the AA meeting, it was just, it was such a weird feeling. 
it was literally the first time I saw there was hope. If these people could stop drinking and they look happy and they were all dressed well and speaking so eloquently and they're all speaking English and they're all talking about their troubles. And I had raised my hand as my first meeting ever. So it was all of his first step meeting. And it was the first time ever I thought that there was hope because I thought I was going to die from this. I had completely lost hope that I can ever stop, you know? Yes. So, and when I saw them, I was like, I need to do what they're doing. So I was all in. I had no idea what AA was. I had no idea what the 12 steps were. But I was like, just tell me what to do. Oh, that's the um, place to be, isn't it? That's, <laughs> that's the surrender that we have to have to come in. And that's what happened to me. I, I was not convinced. But after about three days, it was like, these people have my number. I'd gone to three meetings. Yeah. They're happy in a way that I don't understand and people seem to have light coming out of them. And I was filled with darkness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, that was very attractive. Yeah. And they were saying things that I could never say in public, mm. uh, even to my own husband or anything. They were just saying things so casually. And I'm like, who talks like that? But yeah. they seem so peaceful. And so I had a sponsee <laughs> who said, you people in AA will talk about anything. It was like, what in the world? <laughs> it's true. There's no secret. Yeah. People would talk in a meeting and would describe my secret thinking. That's exactly it. It was the things that I was holding on to for thinking that if I ever let anyone know I'm thinking this way, they would just, they would lock me up in some clinic, you know? And here's all these people speaking about it so naturally. So it's just a sense of belonging that you get from people that are like-minded. You know, they're all in the same boat trying to figure out how to get somewhere without lying and cheating and deceiving. <laughs> I had right. become this person. I remember the last couple of years, I'd look at myself and think, is this really your life? Is this really who you've become? Is it possible? It's just like living two completely parallel lives in one body. One person saying, this is not you. And the other person saying, I can't get out. <laughs> yes. So let's get to the heart of the matter here. You have a story in the grapevine, and it's a cover story. Congratulations. Why, thank you. This beautiful truth. It sounds like you were coming from a different direction, but had the same problem with AA that I had. I thought that it was a Christian cult. So what is your story in relationship to that? When we moved from Europe back here, the first thing my husband and I did was look around for which meetings I'm going to call my home group. So he drove me around this area. I liked South Leewood, so I started going there. And I had a sponsor. And that's sort of the first time I was properly introduced to the 12 Steps. And she was a super lady, very nice. But she did AA the way she knew, and she knew it in a very Christian God way. So, and I don't come from the Christian faith. So I grew up with a very strong belief in God and how the world is run and heaven and hell and do good and you go to heaven, do and do well and you're going to burn in hell, you know, those, that kind of a God. Mm -hmm. So I had the fear and respect for God, but I was still not living in a godly way in any way. You know, so I was drinking, I was killing myself. That's not what God wants from me. So there's this, this thought process where he's there, but I'm not connected with it. I just have love and respect for it, but not really. <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm still going to do what I want. <laughs> I'm going to still live my life the way I want, but I know he's there. So that was how I came into AA. And this lady kept telling me about her God. 
So I said, look, I'm having a lot of trouble with step two and three. I want everything you guys have, but I cannot believe that if I'm alone on an aircraft and there's nobody watching me and it was only strangers, nobody knows my problem. And if I want to drink, what's going to stop me? And she said, just pray. I'm like, eh, it's not going to work. <laughs> she said, if you love God, you won't do it. I'm like, yeah, I tried that. It didn't work. And so I couldn't get step two and three, but I went through the 12 steps with her. This is one thing she said that really made sense. She said, just fake it till you make it. You don't have uh -huh. to believe it. Keep it at the back burner. That some way, somehow you're going to get to it. Just go through the steps. So we did all the steps. It was good. And then when we were done sort of with the 12 steps, she said, like, we don't have to meet every day. But if you need anything, just call me back. So we were sort of separating anyways. But then I heard this, there, we had, there's a gentleman in our group who I admired and I heard through one of his shares that he sponsored women. So I walked up to him after that and said, would you sponsor me? He was like, are you serious about the programs? I said, yes. And I said, I'll, my only issue is step two and three. I don't understand what's going to make me not get a drink if I want to drink. I feel like it has to come from within me. Something has to invoke that power from inside. It can't be from outside. And he said, well, that's what our big book says. And I was like, where? <laughs> so he showed me the, the second to last piece on, on We Agnostics, where it actually says that, that the great power lives within. That's where you can find it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, there's that missing connection that it has to live within me. And he said, now that you know that, try to figure out what's going to make sense to you. What is your higher power if it's living within you? And so a few months into it, I started doing yoga. And the meaning of yoga is also connecting. Yug, which means you connect with your higher power, basically. Connect with something. So it started making sense to me that if I believe I have a soul, and I do believe I have a soul. My job in this life is to connect and do good with that soul, to feed that soul. Because that's the one thing that lives within me that is not from this earth. Like my mom and dad may have procreated and made a human body, but my soul did not come from my mom and dad. It came from something higher. And my job in this world is to connect with that. And so that's how I found my higher power is it's from basically from God, this higher power that lives within me. He put it in here or his angels put it in here. <laughs> it's my soul voice. And all, all my job is to try to listen to it. And that way I can connect with it. My soul is asking me to do this. That's me what God wants me to do. So it's not my will. It's what my higher power wants from me. And it lives within me. And so that was really helpful for me to move forward. <laughs> is that the beautiful truth? That's the beautiful truth. To me, the beautiful truth is part of something big lives within me. That's my soul. Once I knew that, I can't unknow it. <laughs> I can't keep holding on to what my mind wants. My mind becomes this little monkey brain troublemaker that wants me to do things that feel good. And I have to constantly fight it and say, no, thank you. I'm going to do what my heart is saying because that's where my soul lives. It is kind of a beautiful thing to hold on to. <laughs> It is. And it was, I found what really my problem was, was semantics. Mm -hmm. Because I grew up in the Christian faith. So I had preconceived ideas of what God was. A lot of them were ideas that I disagreed with. And I was fond of saying that Christianity was responsible for so much suffering in the world and wars and dividing people one against the other. So I'm looking at one aspect of the way that people use religion mm -hmm. and missing what it's pointing to. And I've heard 
a saying that all the world's religions are like a finger pointing at the moon and we get hung up on the finger and how different each one is and all that. And it's the moon is what the point is. Yeah. Because I was so desperate and did not want to drink, AA helped me to surrender to ask a power that I didn't believe in to help me drop all the concepts and just go ahead and take the action. And in doing the action, I had the experience of unbelievably staying sober day after day after day where I couldn't do it before. Yeah. And that, I mean, that gift of once you start doing the action, which is why I feel like my first sponsor gave me a really big gift by saying, fake it till you make it. You don't have to understand it. She said, just give in to it for a while until things are falling in place. And just that little tiny letting go. I had this delusion that if I don't understand my higher power or whatever you guys are asking me to surrender to, I shouldn't surrender to it. And so just Mm -hmm. that act Mm -hmm. of giving up, you don't have to understand anything. Just do what I'm telling you to do because I'm sober. (laughs) That kind of surrender is like, okay, I I could do it for a while. But what it made me do is detach myself from thinking I have control over stuff. And I actually started doing things like picking up a holy book and reading it. Uh, praying more. Do you find now that you're more connected to your Muslim faith than you were before AA? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I listen to a lot of Islamic imams that talk in English. Some of them are these imams, which as a young girl, I I had stopped listening to them because they sounded so fanatic to me. Mm -hmm. But now that my heart is more open to the right kind of people to listen to, I really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. You know, it keeps me connected to the real message, not the organized religious message. So all the old stories from the Quran, and it's really beautiful, you know, and and all of them seem to be all the same. You know, it's like we humans are the ones that cause the problems. The message is all the same. Yes. And the spiritual principles that are the fundamental principles of Alcoholics Anonymous, I think, can be found all over the place. They were certainly all in the church that I grew up in, but I didn't hear them. Maybe I heard them, but I couldn't I couldn't connect. I couldn't connect because a lot of it was connected to the person who was saying it. You know, so the, the imams that I was listening to were having all these weird marriages or the guy who was talking about uh, principles and integrity would be found out to be somebody who stole from some business. And they're so all I hypocrites. The <laughs> exactly. I couldn't take the message because I didn't like the messengers, you know, but mm. then, you know, I think a taught me that the more we sort of put our faith in other humans, the more we're setting ourselves up for disappointment, you know? So I don't have expectations from people anymore. I have more like, so I have more faith in my higher power, and that gives me all the peace I need. I don't need it from other people. It's a gift that A has taught me that the faith that we put in humans is where our mistakes are when it comes to organized religion. Because just because he's saying these words, we're not listening to the words, we're listening to everything that he's doing. And most, most humans in organized religions make mistakes. Yes. The whole process of understanding the 12 steps And living my life based on that is just such a great scaffolding for me to lean on whenever on a daily basis something doesn't go right, doesn't go my way. I find myself picking on these things all the time. 
Can you describe a particular instance that's happened in the last couple of weeks where you found that you were applying one of the tools of AA? How does this work? Um, Like my son just recently got married. I had told myself from the beginning what my role is in this wedding, that my primary purpose has to be to make sure that the families connect nicely, that there's no ego issues. Like I need this done. So you you guys should do this my way or this is better for my son, so we should do this this way or try to dominate any relationship. Anytime I'm in their company, like my, my in-law, my daughter-in-law's family and all of that, I remind myself, this is about what's the primary purpose here. It's not about me. It's not about what I think is right or what I think is wrong. It's more about making sure the connection is safe. You know, the, the oh. families get together and they get along. You know, that's important. And that's AA. It's, it's interfaith. She's Catholic. I don't know what my son is, but <laughs> I yeah. think he, he recognizes himself as a Muslim. Uh, but he doesn't really practice any of the rituals or all that, which is fine. But it, there was a question of, are we going to do things that is comfortable for me so I can be okay? Or am I going to stand back and let the kids do what's right for their family? You know, those kind of things. AA has taught me that I'm not in control of the world. And it really works better if I make myself available to it and see where I can help instead of trying to control the situation and make everything go the way that I think it needs to go. The world doesn't need to match my internal template of how everything is supposed yeah. to operate. There's also another one I can think of is my son who, uh, when COVID happened, the schools had evicted all the kids that were living in the dorms, told them to go home. And, you know, they were doing online studies while he was home, he's 26, I guess, we would have a lot of conversations and debates about politics and COVID or whatever, all these things. He realized after a few conversations, I was never in a conversation to win a debate with him. And I was never into it to convince him of something, even though he went completely against my belief system. It never ended with a friction of how could you think this way? And don't you have a mind to think? And he told me that. He said, I think AA has given you this really good gift of having conversations where you're actually listening to me and you're not trying to change my mind. So I told him, you know why? Because I literally really don't care. You're going to be okay with whatever system you have in your mind. And I'm going to be okay with whatever I have. I don't have to change your mind about anything. We're just talking. <laughs> and I think that came from AA. <laughs> just you know, yes. sitting in a room and listening to people and trying to learn from them. Like, you know, tradition too, I guess, trying to see the God in each one of us. You know, I'm trying to see the higher power in him and just see the best from him. And those were all AA teachings, you know. But, uh, <laughs> yes. So now, how do you stay sober today? Practical way. What's your AA life like? I guess my day starts off with the reminder, connect with my higher power. I do have routines every morning. I have readings that I do. I lead meetings. So I want to be prepared with whatever topic I'm going to talk about from the literature. That keeps me with my routine. And I sponsor a lot of ladies. I'm on the Trusted Servants for our group. So oh. <laughs> this year I'm going to be, so I'll be District 10, Area 25 Literature Chair for a year until if they want me to stay on for the next two years after that or not. I'm going to area delegate assemblies and things like that. It takes a lot of time in a good way, but... I mean, I don't need more hobbies, really. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're in the middle of AA, yeah. I mean, I think it's the right time for me. I don't have kids at home right now. It's just me and my husband, so I have time to give. It's been three years. Do you ever want to drink? Do you ever have a craving? No, not at all. 
that I just have zero desire to get back to that life. I just, my, my mind has opened up so much from being in AA for three and a half years that I can't, I mean, I would have to be nuts to want to go back, oh. literally nuts. And I don't, I think that insanity is taken away. Reem, thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for chatting with me. I appreciate everything you do for the suffering alcoholic that's still there. I'm at the very wit's end. As the speaker droned on past the 30-minute mark and showed no sign of winding up, the room steadily began to empty. With only one listener left, the boar finally snapped out of it and told the loner, I'm very grateful that there's at least one soul open and willing enough to listen to my message. Listen, I'm the next speaker. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.